You know, the editing just sucks here. The, the, the technical difficulties always happen because of Joe Biden, the, the greatest president in the world today. But anyway, neither here nor there. But welcome, oh, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Reflection here at the PWS Network at Podbean.com. And for 20... Oh, my God, I'm singing again. Woo!
you know, Tien Kupana, Josh Flober, Greenpeace, you know, A-Track Black, you know, Phil Schmecknick, John McCugan, you know who you are, 2020 Deuce, and here at the PWR Podcast, we got to go back to doing episodic episodes here, and you know what? It is January, Reflection Nights. We are on the road to WrestleMania for the WWE, but also in January, it is Royal Rumble Month. And I know, you know, Tian Kupana probably wanted me to talk about 1992. Everybody wants the professor to talk about 1992. Philip Scott Wood, I know you want me to talk about 1992, but we did that on a PWR podcast way yonder ago. I hope it, you know, it might have got destroyed by, you know, Joe Biden and the Democrats. I don't know, but we did it. It's not a Mandela effect, but you know what? We might talk about 1992 here on this particular episode because, you know, T.W. and and myself and J.B. and Big Ray, we all are in consensus that 1992 Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble match is the quintessential number one match, number one Royal Rumble match. (laughs) I'm going to be singing. I don't care, Reflection. I'm singing if I'm going to hear this. I'm hearing some music, but I'm going to be singing. But anyway, it's the quintessential number one Royal Rumble match ever in the history of Royal Rumbles. I think TW will agree. I know I've always had a a special place in my heart for 1990 Deuce. But we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about the most infamous Royal Rumble in WWE history, in the professor's humble opinion. And that is the 2005 Royal Rumble, January 30th, 2005, from Fresno, California, at the Save Mart Center. Now, before anything, I'd like to introduce myself, because I'm vain like that. Can I get some music? Come on, give me the music. Give me the music. I need a musical oh, introduction. On. I got it. I Thank got you. it. Oh, see, now <laughs> when I need the music, it doesn't come on. I, I, I was talking. I was rambling. Wait, I ain't George Lopez, motherfucker. But anyway, okay. This, this is Los Rudos, the year of Calavera. <laughs> this is Los Rudos ring music right here. But anyway, I am the charismatic one. I am the magnanimous one. But most importantly, I am the glorious one, the Professor Chababa Cruz. And I'm not here alone. I'm here with my partner. Oh, you was quick on with the partner in crime. You got your music. <laughs> no, this I is yours. Oh, I thought I had Los Rudos. I thought I had George Lopez. Like you didn't and, like it. Anyway, I'm here with my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the iron stomach one, Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Strong, a.k.a. the Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? And, you know... Do you agree with the professor that 1990 Deuce is the best Royal Rumble match ever? The only one where I know who won it immediately. <laughs> yes. Okay. It is, it, is, it is the greatest promo after. It is the greatest moment. Well, I don't, yeah, I would say the greatest moment. It, lower, it, lower the music before copyright strikes. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Part of your No, as long as we're talking over it, it won't do it. I've learned that from doing my songs. It's the instrumental, so I'm going to buy uh, Maraca and just shake it. While okay. He was explaining like I'm in the band, but uh, anyways, uh, absolutely. I don't know why this one that we're doing is the most uh, infamous one, other than the oh, finish, I, which which is I very will, well done. Um, well, the, I will explain. False finish is really, um, but yeah. So, ninety two hands down, and we have done it. And I actually had a question for you because 
the end of this rumble, I feel like we just did something with this finish. We just watched this on something mm-hmm. else. Did we do like a Cena Batista rivalry or something? Mm-mm, we didn't do a scene of Batista rivalry. I, I think th- the reason why I say it's infamous is actually because of what you're talking about with the ending, which we will get to later. Now, oh, I know why, because it's, it's, yeah. it's infamous in two instances, because let's just say this. <clears throat> the, this particular Royal Rumble match with the Cena Batista spot, and we'll get into it you know, in greater detail reflection. As I'll just give you a little tidbit. This was a very unplanned thing. This is not Brett and Lex Luger from 1994, TW. That was a planned spot, if you understand where I'm coming from. So this was a botch. This was a botch finish that was ad-libbed to make it the most infamous and actually the best kind of ending in WWE Royal Rumble history. Now, before we get into that reflection ice in TW, let's just go with the parlays of the Royal Rumble itself. You know, at in 2005, TW, I, I know this is your waning days of the wrestling career, and you always said that you didn't really watch the product of anything like WWE, TNA, and all that stuff. I get you, but you already was brainwashed know, into not watching it. I know you was, yeah, you was brainwashed. You know, China got to you. You was, you know, the China syndrome got to you, and you you was forced not to watch it. But you're a wrestling fan. You're a wrestling historian. The the Royal Rumble concept, you know. No matter how it, you know how it's kind of been ad libbed, tweaked, and all that stuff, the best rule is two men start. They fight for two minutes, and every two minutes afterwards, another opponent comes in. I just want to say this because now we're in Royal Rumble season, TW. You know, in comparisons to a lot of things from the '90s and the 2000s and the 2010s, in terms of talent. In terms of the way that the Royal Rumble history has been, you know, the first couple of Royal Rumbles, it really didn't matter who won the Royal Rumble because it didn't. It wasn't like a, a stratosphere career changer for people. It didn't matter for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. It didn't matter for Big John Studd when the, he won it. It didn't matter for Hulk Hogan winning it back to back when he's the world heavyweight champion. But then when they changed it to you are the number one contender to to the heavyweight championship and main eventing WrestleMania, it changed the dichotomy of the stratosphere of, you know, of a career stratosphere. You understand where I'm going with TW, right? So, you know, Yokozuna wins. He's the number one contender. You know, Austin wins. He's the number one contender. Rock wins. He's the number one contender. Triple H wins. He's the number one contender. But you know what, TW? Before we get into 2005 and and I'll talk about the, the, you know, the parameters of this Royal Rumble, Let's talk about the you know, Royal Rumble from like 1988 to 2020 deuce that we're going to have. You know, there's more. Is it still okay? Is it still like, are you still invested with that concept that the winner is the, you know, the number one contender, the main event for WrestleMania? Does it need to be tweaked? Does it need to be changed to the, it should be a heavyweight title match or it should be an intercontinental title match or something like that. Something that, you know, to change people's like investment towards it what's say tw the only the only thing that makes it bearable is that there's two champions now and then one year they threw the nxt title in there like if you want it you could challenge for the nxt title which was a good thing because you could have had somebody from nxt win it and no one in a million years would expect that mm-hmm. you know other than it was part of the the belts that you could challenge um or you could have an nxt guy challenge uh 
a, a Raw or SmackDown champion to get his call up. So I think we talked about this before. 92 was the first one where they you won the belt in that one, right? Or was 91? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was 92. No, what was the first year it was number one contender? It was 91 because Warrior won no, it, right? The, the, the first year that it was the number one contender was 93. 92 okay. was, right. was when it was so they, uh, held up. The, be- the belt, which made it awesome. Mm-hmm. Listen, you're like, who's going to win this thing? And and you, obviously there's 10, 15 guys that you're thinking that. But then once it became number one contender, it, you knew it was going to be the guy who was already in the storyline with the champion was going to win it, right? Mm-hmm. Austin right. never won it when you didn't think he was winning it. Cena never won it when you didn't think he was winning it. Every time you knew they were winning. So it kind of ruined it. But what made it better, which is also something I don't like because they've overdone this, what made it what, what, what made it still be people's favorite events, two things. You'll agree with me on both. One, mm-hmm. they did it with Kane. They did it with Nash. They did it with Drew McIntyre recently, where some guy in the middle of that rumble, he might not win it, but he's tossing dudes like left and right like you tossing salads in jail. He just tossing people out, <laughs> and people are popping because he's eliminating five, six, seven guys. Uh, another side thing is also got owed. What's Kofi going to do? What's John Morrison going to do to not hit the floor and stay in the match or whatever? Um, But the third thing, and I think this is the thing that makes everybody watch it, and it's actually a big buzz going around about it right now, who's going to be the surprise entrant? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think last year was a disappointment. Every year, there's people in there you don't know they're going to be in there, but it's not a big deal. It's fucking Carlos Colon. Who cares? But I care if it's Carlos Colon. You'll never forget AJ Styles coming out for that Royal Rumble, ever. No one will ever. That was his debut into the WWF. Um, no one will will forget, which basically this is one that Cena won that nobody realized he was going to win it because he wasn't supposed to be in it. He was out with a torn tricep, and he came mm-hmm. in at number 30 and won the Royal Rumble, and people loved it. They they blew the roof off of that place. I, I was it there. Was in Boston. It was in no, Boston. Was it? In the- no, it was in the Garden. Boston or Madison? Madison. Okay, I didn't know if it was Madison or Boston because I was thinking he came back because it was home, Boston. But, but okay, Madison Square Garden. I knew it was one of the gardens, but that kind of stuff is huge. Hogan and Warrior, that's where they had their little tefu to make their match. Sid and Hogan, that's where they had their little whatever. So you set feuds up. Uh, Bulldog and Michaels, when Michaels cheated the Bulldog after it looked like he won it, and then Michaels need him in the back, you know. They had mm-hmm. their little European title feud before that anyway. So it's cool. This particular one, the opening match is Sean versus Edge, and they have a spot in the in the Royal Rumble. A uh, guy I used to wrestle with all the time, Steve Nixon. We Any show we were on that we worked each other and there was a battle royal, whoever went over in our match, we decided in that battle royal the other one was going to eliminate him. We did it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and one of my favorite ones was Nixon. Nixon. Um, I beat him, and I was the bad guy. And then when he came out for the battle royal, he chased me, and I eliminated myself over the top rope and did the old point at my head. And then when I turned mm-hmm. around, he dove over the top rope to the floor and then beat me all the way, like eliminating himself and beat me up all the way back to the back. To, to continue to get, the feud. And, to continue the feud and, right. and, and get revenge on me cheating to beat him earlier on in the night. And we did that on our own. We didn't ask for permission. We did it every single time we wrestled each other and we're in a battle royal. I had other friends i do that with too, Larry Destiny, guys like that. But, yeah, so so the battle royal itself, 
I, I think it's better to keep it at 30, not 40. I think the 40 was way too long, even though they shortened the time. I like that they shortened it from two minutes to a minute. Is it a minute and a half now, or is it a minute? Yeah, minute and a half. Yeah, it was a minute for the 40 one, right? Yeah. So I don't like the full two minutes. I don't like the formula of the, you know, I, I, I was in a Royal Rumble match in Warren, and number one was me, number two was Rico. People got a kick out of that because you remember there was a Royal Rumble where Axe versus Smash was one and two. Um, mm-hmm. I think Eddie Guerrero and Benoit were one and two one year. Or Actually, some, some, it, it's this Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, this one. Yeah, well, I was trying to think <laughs> when Eddie got in there. I, I mean, I was trying to think when Benoit got in there, if, if Eddie was already – because that Daniel Pewter guy is in. They kicked his ass, dude. We, but anyway, we'll talk I know, about I that. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, that. this one, Eddie and Benoit. So you always, you always have that, like, friend versus friend or foe versus foe to start off. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, a match or like a SmackDown guy and a Raw man who really are SmackDown and Raw who've never met each other before. You know, mm-hmm. like let's just say Keith Lee's a Raw guy and Damian Preet, well, they were in NXT. But I, I'll tell you this, and I know it's getting ahead of it, but we already talked about the finish. There's a moment in this one where I wonder, because he's still green to the point that he's never been world champion, neither one of them. Do you think Cena and Batista look looked across the ring at each other and thought, we used to be FCW, now we're the last two guys in the Royal Rumble. Like, that was just, like, I feel like Eddie and Benoit had that moment. I feel like, you know, like, mm-hmm. but those I, are, I... Those are OVW guys appreciating the moment where they're in front of 12,000 people. But I think they have to have been a fan growing up, and I think Cena was. I don't know if Batista was. So that's where I think guys like Batista and Goldberg and just guys who didn't really want to be a wrestler they just want to make money i can i i will say this and i'm not speaking for batista and this is not a put down i think batista loved the business you know why i think he loved the business to a degree tw it's because where he was he was in ovw when you're learning from the tree of jim Cornette and you're learning from the tree of nightmare danny davis and all the people that you know in that southern wrestling whatever you want to say it they're right. traditionalists. It's pro wrestling. So there is some semblance of tradition. There is some semblance of, you know, a time honor, you know, paying your dues. And I think Batista, if he was in it for the money, of course, everybody's going to be in it for the money and the fame. But I think if you're in it, especially at that time and being in one of the greatest classes of, of up-and-comers and untapped potentials that the OVW produced, you know, Cena, Lesnar, Batista, Shelton, and all that stuff, I think at that moment, at that time right there, like you said, that they look at each other, they're in Fresno, California, they're in front of 12,000 people. Again, when they did OVW, they're in front of like 150 people in a warehouse weekly. So right. you go from 150 people maybe two years ago, let's say 2003, and you're in front of 12,000 people and – and you're going to be you know, pushed to the moon by Vince McMahon saying, you are my guys for the next couple of years because guess what? The next big thing, Brock Lesnar packed his bags and went home. They're, he's actually giving you the keys to the kingdom. So I think right. there, is an, there is an appreciation. So, yes, I will say there is an, a, a degree of appreciation for the moment. I understand where you're coming from with Batista. Cena is a is a WWE mark. He's a fan, so I know I don't have to say anything about Cena. But he said yes. I think he was in it for the money. He was in it for the fame. But he, but he paid his dues. dues. Yeah. But he paid his dues and showed the appreciation. 
And with that being said, let's talk about the Royal Rumble from 2005 TW. And, you know, you talked about some matches that already happened. But let's just say this, 2005, we are, let's say, year three into the brand split between Raw and SmackDown TW. And this is, let's, let's call this like, you know, the Star Wars trilogies. This is like one and two, in, in essence. This is like the first years of the brand split. You know, Eric Bischoff is the, at this time, he's the general manager of Raw. You know, Theodore Arlong is the general manager of SmackDown. And TW, I think even though it's so passe, it's so redundant, it's so it's it's been done many, many times. That's what's needed in 2020, Deuce, because Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville, this is just my opinion, you can't have two general you can't have two authority two. figures, the same two on the on two different shows, you know, uh playing the strings of careers. Two, it, it doesn't make sense. It needs to be one figure to represent Raw and one figure to rep- represent SmackDown. Right. I if you're think, gonna if you're gonna make it two different brands, and you right there, you're co-mingling with you have the same two authority figures on there, right? right. Like Raw has their announcer, SmackDown has their announcer. They got their uh, compensating team. They got theirs. They got their referees. They got their referees. So if you're keeping everything separate, why wouldn't you have two separate authority figures? Because now it's not two different products, and and now you got mm-hmm. Seth Rollins bouncing from show to show, um, which six months ago was Roman Reigns doing it with the Usos. Um, Brock Lesnar it, bouncing again. You know, it's the same thing. Well, that, that, he won a belt. He had no choice but to bounce. But I meant, like, mm-hmm. now we got Rollins challenging for the belt. When Why? But it's because of the same authority figure. I'm sure the whole logic's going to be, well, you beat everybody here. We had to go get somebody from over there. What the problem is, is four months ago, he was over there too, and he didn't beat him. So it's like, whatever. Right. So that, that's the thing. It's like, even though it's so redundant, and I know people get so tired of it, but at least it's something identifiable. That's what I liked about 2005 in, in comparison to 2020, dude. You are on the same page with me. You need at least two identifiable different people, authority figures. I don't care if they're heels or faces. As long as they're pulling the strings of the careers of the, of the wrestlers, at least it's a raw person. It's a SmackDown person. And TW, let's put it in, in another context, especially if we compare 2005 to 2000, and, well, 2020 deuce. I like to say 2020 deuce. I know you don't like me saying that. But anyway, neither here nor there. No, I, t- I gave up on your Calavera. Gave it up. I, 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 I wore you down. That's what it is. I wore you down. <laughs> it's but, too hard to say. 21 are smooth. Yes, it is. But 2005 TW, we can both agree for Vince McMahon's, you know, allegiance or he puts all his eggs in one basket raw in 2005 is his a show he puts all his he puts all his top talent there he puts the depth of his talent on raw because if you notice especially in this royal rumble look at the the depth let's say your your top tiers of raw and then your middle players on raw are so much stronger than the middle players of smackdown the top tiers are okay but the, it's the middle card and the lower card look weak. What, what was SmackDown on back then? Weren't they both on USA? Sometimes it was on USA. I think in 2005, if I'm not mistaken, SmackDown was on the UPN network when that was when oh, that yeah. was a thing. And then, you know, how 
how SmackDown was on a Thursday, it was on a Friday, it was on a Wednesday. So it never had a specific Tuesday. day. It was on Sometimes, Tuesday back when they went sat Monday Night Raw, Tuesday SmackDown. Sometimes it was there too. So, but again, in 2005, Monday Night Raw was the A show, and he put all his eggs in one basket. In 2020, Deuce TW, you know, for all intents and purposes, I guess in in the IWC YWC's eyes, because Fox is a bigger network, it's a it's a major network, one of the top uh, four networks in in the country. SmackDown, if not, a, if not top two, top one. It could be, but if NBC and, and, and them, I think, would be one right. too. But being on Fox, everybody would say that Vince McMahon has shifted that SmackDown is his A show. But if you yep. see it, but if you see, he put the depth, he put like the depth of his roster on Raw because it's a three hour show. And SmackDown, at least right now, because well, reflection as you always know that the professor and TW, we go, we give you the past and the present. But I have to bring this in because if you, it's it's almost deja vu, TW. SmackDown's top tier is Roman Reigns, but then that middle tier, you know, some people are injured, like Drew McIntyre is injured right now, and Shinsuke Nakamura is injured right now. So their their middle tiers is is suffering. But on Raw side, you got the Bobby Lashley's and the Brock Lesnar's. But then their middle tiers is like Finn Balor and stuff like that. They got a better depth in their middle, TW. It's almost deja vu. Kevin that, Owens. And Kevin Owens. But TW, it, it's deja vu. 2005, the depth is on Raw. And 2020, Deuce, the depth is on Raw again. Why is it that? I, I think now the question is, Vince just loves Raw. Raw is his baby no matter what. And, uh, you said and, it. It's a three-hour show. You have to have it. I feel, I feel like there's more women on Raw than on SmackDown, too. Um, who knows? I don't know. And then you got tag teams over there. I think you just answered two questions. A, there's more de- There's more time to fill on Raw, so you have to put more depth. And B, now I know why Seth Rollins is on SmackDown. They need a, <laughs> they need a body, so they took him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it makes it, sense, the Shield versus the Shield. No, but but I I think, but the question is, TW, even in 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 two thousand five to now, Vince has always catered to Raw, and now you know it's funny in present day that SmackDown should be the A show. SmackDown should have the depth because it's on a major network, but he's not treating it that way. But I understand the three hour difference. You know, it's a three hour show, and some and it's a marathon to watch it, and some people don't. But your A show should have depth too. That's all I'm just trying to say here. That's what it. That's what I'm coming from, TW. No, I, but, I agree. But let's get into this particular Roar Rumble, TW. And of course, like you talked about, when it's Roar Rumble season in January, we also have to acknowledge that it's WrestleMania season. So they have to get rid of certain storylines from 2004. To then, you know, start elevating to storylines to work until WrestleMania, and we will talk about it here on the PWR podcast, TW. So the first match that opened the show, and I forgot this, and when I watched, it, I was like, "Oh shit, they did open right. the show." Right. It was Edge against Shawn Michaels, TW, and you know we don't have to talk about anything, but you know, Edge won. We, we got to talk about one thing. No, no. I, well, let me just say this: Edge versus Shawn Michaels. There was a storyline. They had to finish a storyline for for this match in in, in the Royal Rumble because it started in two thousand four. Taboo Tuesday was a was a pay per view that didn't make it, but in Taboo <laughs> Tuesday, 
Edge felt cheated because the people voted for Shawn Michaels for, I guess, a title opportunity that Edge thought he deserved. So they actually made a storyline out of that for this Royal Rumble to open Royal Rumble. Now, T.W., Edge wins this match by chicanery and some fuckery. And I, I know you'll talk about what happens in this match. But the funny thing, I actually, when I was watching this 2005 Royal Rumble, I was, I was thinking to myself, T.W., I had an epiphany. I was like, I was not really like watching YouTubes a lot. And I'm trying to explain to a lot of people. Twitter is not there for the professor to be, you know, crazy about. What I was doing on the Internet was watching porn and watching movies. That was it. You know, watching movies right. that was just coming out, trying to find those illegal stream links to for the movies just to come out. So right. my 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 internet time was actually not pivoted towards like wrestling communities, uh, wrestling rumors, because my rumors were on the, on like a newspaper. Like I read the Slammer every Friday for wrestling rumors. I didn't get into like re, you know Raw review shows or SmackDown review shows. I didn't get into that until the 2010s, and then of course. I started doing the PW Hustle with Eight Track Brown and Billy Ray Valentine in in the 2010s, and I'm and I'm doing a podcast with you about nostalgia in the 2010s, and we're going four years, four or five years strong. Who knows? But anyway, we everything started in the 2010s with me in terms of social media, in terms of podcasting, and all that stuff in the 2010s. 2005, I'm just like watching it and observing it. Then I look at this match, I'm like, holy shit, Edge wins. I was thinking to myself, I wasn't even thinking about the booking. I didn't think, I didn't care about that. I was thinking 2020 Deuce, if we were doing a Royal Rumble review with Professor and TW, I'd be like, oh shit. Edge needed a win because if he lost to HBK, the living legend, Shawn Michaels, he would have been buried. He would have been tossed aside. We would actually be saying all this bullshit. I'm glad that I wasn't even knee deep into the YouTubes. I'm glad yeah. I wasn't knee deep into, tw into Twitter and all that stuff. What say you, TW, about this uh, match that caught your eye? So here you have, I see it, and I'm like, oh, man, are they one and two? And then I realized it was a match, and I was like, oh, this is even better. So, again, at the risk of being called Nate Matson by Travis, mm -hmm. you have my childhood hero, Shawn Michaels, in there with my buddy who literally I just saw him right before this. You know, uh, one of the last times I saw him in person was, was right before the. Uh, oh, no, I saw him after this. I saw him at the Survivor Series, and then he won the world title the year after that, I think. Um, mm -hmm. but he used Revolution you, in, in 2006. Yeah, when he came back and went cashed in the Money in the Bank thing. But he yeah. was out with that neck injury not not long after. Well, well, no, the neck injury, he's back here. He's here after that. Um, mm -hmm. But he was out for 13 months, and him and I would talk all the time, every couple of weeks. But, but I'm watching my buddy versus my hero, and I'm like, oh, I bet Adam's just fucking living it up right now. He has to be, right? Because we're mm -hmm. all Shawn Michaels fans. I think everybody in the business right now is Shawn Michaels fans. Like, he's just, like, people love Brett, especially if you're Canadian, you have to. But of course. With Shawn is just, anybody who's anybody in wrestling right now grew up wanting to be Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart. And, and whereas when I was coming up, everybody wanted to be Hogan and the Warrior, right? Like, Sean was still going when I came up and then stopped and then came back. But um, mm -hmm. so when I'm watching this, two things that struck me was they look good together. Sean didn't look old. Edge didn't look young. I, I figure 
Sean's got to be about late thirties, maybe forty at this point. Still looking in top shape. Mid 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 thirties at least. Yeah. So Edge just look. He's my age. He's a year older than me. I think he turns forty nine soon, and then I turn forty nine in summer. So he's thirty three at at this point, almost thirty three. He's thirty two, about to be thirty three. And funny enough, Christian looks like a little baby to me when they show him. He looks like no. Wait, 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 wait. Actually, Shawn Michaels in eighty six was twenty. Yeah, 96, yeah, 30, 2006, 40. So he's 39. That's wow. what I said. Late, late yeah. 30s, early. Yeah, you're 40, right. No, I'm just giving. I'm giving the age yeah, yeah. Of, off the top of my head. Rockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. So uh, you know they just look good together. But the very first spot they do in this match exposes the Royal Rumble. What? Right. The Royal Rumble starts off with two guys. This is what Royal Rumble number thirty something coming up. Give or take, yeah. Has there ever been a Royal Rumble start off with two guys where they do a spot and the other guy clotheslines the other one over the top rope like Sean and Edge did for the very first spot? And the very first thing they did was him tossing Sean, tossing Edge over the top rope with a clothesline. Well, he had to he seconds had to in. Him, he had to give him that message that I'm going to do this to you right. later on in the well, Royal why Rumble. Why has no one ever done that in the Royal Rumble when one and two were enemies or one and two were friends? One never eliminates two. If you ever watch it, one is in there for the hour, two is in there for 39 and a half minutes. Like, they're both on the other side of the ring, sucking wind, but when Flair won it, whoever was number two with him was was neck and neck until he got eliminated. When Mysterio, I think he did it and broke the record when he was in the 40, man, there was Mm -hmm. another guy in there. I think it was Bulldog. Was it Bulldog that was with Flair? Yeah, Bulldog was with Flair for a little bit. Bulldog was in there for 30 of the 60 minutes or whatever. Give give or take. He was almost final five, I think. But my point is, the one and two guy, never, ever, ever. Like right now, Miz and Edge, if they're one and two, the the thing they should do is the exact same spot Edge and Shawn Michaels did with Edge clotheslining Miz over the top rope 10 seconds into the Royal Rumble. People would lose their shit because it'd be the first time ever one eliminated two with ease and then just got to sit there for a minute until number three came out. Well, you know, Trefell, I think there was a one and two that, you know, two eliminated one during the spot. And it was, I think it was fucking Flair. Or, no, no, it was Bulldog that eliminated DiBiase in the 92 Royal Rumble because DiBiase entered number one. Bulldog was number two. Flair was three. Three, okay. So that, that, that's where your your assessment actually happened. I remember in the 92 one, Benoit entered number one in 2004. I don't remember what who was number two there. Uh, Mysterio was number one in 2006. I don't, and that didn't happen. I don't think so. But I get what you're going with. But it did happen. I just don't remember right. how many times. But I understand where you're going with this. So Edge picks up the win here with some fuckery here. So he actually proved this point that he is a he's a man that's going to the upper echelon. It, it's kind of funny here, TW, because let's look at it from this standpoint because he's almost being written off. The, the title picture, you could say. If it wasn't for... No, no, Edge. Because unless he comes into the Royal Rumble, and then we'll talk about that, he was a Final Four guy. You know, thank God for money in the bank because he would have been kind of like lost in the shuffle of importance or prioritizing for the WrestleMania moon because, you know, there's always this thing, and I remember, and shout-outs to my man, uh, Billy Ray Valentine. I worked with him, you know, many years you know, in real life, TW, we always had this kind of like debate back and forth. And every time that WrestleMania came around, 
we always had this kind of discussion. And then, you know, and I was, I'll use Edge as an example because let's say Billy Ray Valentine would be like, why isn't Edge being in the main event for the for the World Heavyweight Ch- Championship match? I would actually retort back, and I was probably I probably would have said to him at this point, yeah, Edge ain't ain't Mania main event worthy yet. He he's just not that dude. If you look at Cena or you look at HBK, you look at Triple H, those are consistent money makers. That's the way I would always retort back with my kind of debate. I'm like. Edge ain't that dude yet. He's a he's a mid carder. I would keep saying that he's just not there yet. Tw. So what say you, Tw? I know you have an affinity for Sexton Hardcastle. You have history with Sexton Hardcastle, so maybe you're a little bit biased. But you understand where I'm going with. I said at this point in 2005, he's not ready to be at that main event level for a WrestleMania match just yet. But he did become a main event guy by 2008, nine, ten, and so on and so forth. So you, you do pay your dues a little bit. What say you, TW, about that assessment? He took the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart path. I mean, he's there nine years at this point. He signed in like 96 or 98 because that's what I met him in. 90s, 90, he signed in late 97, and then you started seeing him on TV in 98. Right. So, But I met him in, in 95, 96 when me and Rico were teaming against him and Joey Legend. Um, so at this point, he's seven years there, plus the the – you know, OVW or whatever. And uh, he's a tag team guy, and now he's a singles guy. And Christian gets put back. He's singles, but he's with Tomko, or he's with Jericho, or he's with Benoit. So Christian, mm-hmm. he takes even longer to get into that main event picture. Well, he, he had um, to leave WWE to right, get back, right, to get into the right, main event picture. Right. The, the, the TNA uh, impact way. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's I, I think, okay, so... 1994, summertime, me and Rico wrestled each other 11 times by now, and then I'm watching him wrestle the Death Dealer, and I always had this like this feeling that R- Rico and I were small, and everybody else was big, but then it, it, it dawned on me, you don't see yourself when you're in the ring with somebody, right? So, mm-hmm. and it's always me versus Rico, and everybody called us small, we got heckled by fans, so when I watched Rico versus the Death Dealer, the first thing I said to him, because I sat in the front row because I ended up not wrestling on that show, I sat in the front row or second row, and I watched him. And I, I watched up to him afterwards. I said, "You know what?" He's like, "What?" I go, "Dude, you're you're the. It, it's like Brett versus, uh, like Sean. No, Brett and Sean are the same size. So I'm trying to picture Brett against someone. Oh, Scott Hall. Brett versus Scott Hall. Scott Hall's bigger, but not mm-hmm. that much. He's just taller. Okay. And that's what I think Rico and I were. We're the same size as these guys, but they were a little taller. Plus, we were. So when I watched Edge in this match with 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 Sean, obviously, it's my first time seeing it, so I'm not looking at it like I would have been 05 if I would have saw it for the first time. But I looked, and, and I thought that same thing. Like, he doesn't look out of place. He looks just as good in there against uh, Michaels as Brett or Austin look against Michaels. There's no – he's small, you know, because Ed's always pretty thin. He's lean for being tall, but mm-hmm. he's – I don't know if it was his gear, his hair, his whole, you know, present – presentation his aura, his, his aura made, made it relevant yeah, but he fit in he looked like a star okay and so like now not to knock the modern product but i don't think people look like stars now they look like you know it's like something uh, i just read a lemmy quote he says when people pay to see your band i want to see a fucking rock star not a guy that looks like he sells t-shirts after he's done singing and he's right like he goes go up there and be a fucking rock star and that's how i feel wrestlers you you at least 
like that's why I hate when guys wrestle in shoes. That's why I hate when Cena wore shorts and and a white shorts. beater, shorts, <laughs> because you, you no longer look like a star. But Cena is a star, so he overcame that. Roman Reigns overcomes wrestling in the security guard outfit, you know, and so. It's why I like Seth the most out of the three Shield guys because he went right into gear that looked like that Shield stuff, but was gear, not you know mm-hmm. khakis or, or whatever you call them, cart hearts. And then freaking the one I like the least, uh, Dean Ambrose wears jeans and a white beater. Like it's just you're not a star anymore. Like go change right. my oil when you're done having this match because you just look <laughs> like a gas station guy. And that's like I think Austin Theory looks like a star. I think. I think Keith Lee looked like a star. I think Drew McIntyre looks like a star. Bobby Lashley looks like a star. Brock looks like a star. Then you got these other dudes, man. Kevin Owens does not look like a star. Sami Zayn does not look like a star. Um, They look like they pump your gas. Right, but I think Apollo Crews, like some of these guys are just poor Finn Balor. The Demon, huge fan. Finn Balor, for everybody, not at all. He looks like freaking Drake Maverick, fucking but shorter. But, uh... Well, like in modern wrestling, I, I think I can't blame I can't blame WWE for this because they try to make larger than they still are under that philosophy that you can make a larger than life persona. It's just that today's fans and I think even today's wrestlers just don't have that same kind of passion for the larger than life. And plus, in a different landscape, you know. Besides WWE and AEW being more visible and brand awareness, there's not a, all these other companies. It's just for the wrestler. Just you know, get your bookings, get that money. You know, you know, I can't knock the hustle, but just because you get your booking and money doesn't mean you get the exposure and you get the awareness. And you know, people just you know, oh, you you at the airport? Oh shit, it's that dude from what Game Changer Wrestling? No, he, you could have say, oh, it's Seth Rollins at the airport. Oh, it's, you know, Kenny Omega at the airport. You got to, you know, you need the brand awareness. You need that TV platform or, or streaming platform that everybody recognizes and everybody gravitates to. So I understand what you're talking about with that. There's no separation in modern with modern wrestling fans and probably modern wrestlers today. So the second match, well, I guess we'll have to kind of skim it because this was the worst match of the Royal Rumble <laughs> pay-per-view. It was the casket match between Undertaker and Heidenreich. And you know that was funny, TW, when I when I looked at this match, and I, it just dawned on me before we recorded, WWE is trademarking a Nazi war criminal right now as we speak. Gunther, yeah, Gunther Stark. And I'm like, oh, shit, what about Heidenreich? Didn't Heidenreich run, a, run the Auschwitz camp or something, but no one cared about it? I don't know, I'm just saying. But it's a casket match, and, you know, the funny thing about this is that the promo for this was Heidenreich is not afraid of The Undertaker, but he's afraid of a casket. Is that – I was like, really? Thank God. You know, I paid for Royal Rumble pay-per-views. Before the WWE, you know, before the WWE Network became existence, the only two pay-per-views I ever paid for was Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That was it. I never paid for the other pay-per-views during the year. That was not my priorities. I didn't even pay for SummerSlam. I kind of let, let SummerSlam go. It was Royal Rumble and WrestleMania because that was the two most important pay-per-views for the professor. And I'm like, God damn. I know what I did in 2005, TW. I went to the bathroom. Well, I went to make a sandwich. I went to eat. <laughs> I didn't remember that match, 
And looking at this match when I saw it in 2020, Deuce, I was like, thank, thank God I, I forgot about this match. Every, you know, even Snitsky made an appearance here. You know, Kane made an appearance in this match. And not to, not a couple of months ago in WrestleMania in 2004, Undertaker decimated his brother Kane. And I was like, wait a minute. They were back together for this particular instance. And then again, the dichotomy was Undertaker and Hyderak are SmackDown superstars. Snitsky and Kane are Raw superstars. So TW, try to defend this clusterfuck of a match that sucked. These are two guys that you wonder how the hell they're there <laughs> for as long as they're there. I don't know. Guys maybe maybe know. two years. Maybe two years. I don't know. They the they most. had to be they had to be team players. They had to be guys that did anything they were asked because I think Heinrich left the business, didn't he? Then he just quit and just went home or something. Like he was the a mo- football player. The, the most memorable thing that Heinrich did in his WWE LOD. career. Was well, actually, has two things. LOD because he, he was tag team champions with Animal, and then he ass raped Michael Cole on SmackDown TV because that's the only thing I ever remember him. Didn't even he know did. He did. That's the only thing I remember hiding right for. So that that's how bad it was. But but TW, the dichotomies of this is Raw and SmackDown merge in this match because, like I said, Kane is, is Raw, Snitsky is Raw. And then Undertaker and Hyderak are SmackDown. So they were trying to add that element of, you know, oh, these guys are, don't even see each other. They can meet. That was the one thing that was actually cool about the first brand split was they were, tr- Miss McMahon was trying. He was trying to make a, a considerable effort, TW, to separate the Raw and SmackDown people to make it feel like, oh, they're fucking with each other, especially for the big pay-per-views. But right. now we're in 2020 deuce, and it just seems like, oh, water under a bridge. You know, when is the the super merger going to happen again for the billionth time? So it kind of loses its luster in the professor's humble opinion. What do you agree with that assessment? Or you have a different take. One hundred percent. And then the other problem with this match is you got a guy. His whole storyline is he's afraid of it, and then you got Kane sleeping in the thing for the whole match to to pop out of it, like. Mm-hmm. I guess that's to make it look like you're a bitch because you're afraid to go in there. And this guy's sitting there for a whole match, but just and he gets in there to help when Stisky comes in there. Like, how's he even know to get a casket open to help him? How does he know two guys are beating up his brother? And, and TW, here's a here's, here's one more problem, and then we'll go on to the next kind of segments that we saw here on the Royal Rumble. I guess you know, again, we have to look at it from the eyes of social media, the eyes of Twitter, the eyes of podcasting. Thank God we didn't have this, but you know, I, you know, Vince McMahon likes big dudes. Snitsky is 6'10". He's massive, 300 pounds. Heidenreich, 6'8", 6'9", 290. Massive dude. Of course, Undertaker and, and Kane are massive dudes, but you know, they didn't like no, no, you like massive dudes. That, that's, <laughs> that's why they all send you that that gypsy uh, dong uh, thing in your DMs. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, TW, Heidenreich and Snixer, you actually said that they were team players, and I get you with that that assessment. But some of the big dudes in 2005, and we could talk about it, we'll talk about it within the Rumble, they didn't last that long. Maybe they lasted a year or two, but they did not make an impact, TW. Why did they not make an impact? It is it because of the changing of the times? Because, again, you're wrestling, and you said you kind of 
I don't want to say you're kind of like that smaller dude, but you're a more athletic dude. You're the modern wrestler. You're taking. Right. You're, you're learning from HBK. You're learning from Bret Hart. You're more athletic. You're more mobile. These guys are now becoming dinosaurs. They're, they're becoming. They're so one dimensional that no one cares about them. What's the right? Be? That's exactly it. They can't. You're not moving the needle. You're not doing anything impressive. You know, you can power bomb, power bomb a guy nine times in a row, big deal. You know, the first guy to do it, you won't be the last. You got to do other stuff. And, you know, I say it all the time. To me, the most impressive big guy ever is Mike Awesome. Like, you just, there's no way you look at that guy and thinks he can do what he can do. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he had already passed away by 2005, but he was there. Yeah, he was still alive. Yeah, he just wasn't there. He was selling mm-hmm. houses or something. But he's just... It, he's that's what I'm asking. How is he gone? But fucking Snitsky and Heidenreich are there. It just it makes no sense. You got a guy yeah. that has that has character and can do a freaking moonsault, and he's six foot nine and three hundred and twenty pounds. It's nuts. These other guys came into a wrist lock. Yeah, some some people can play politics, and Mike Austin was not one of those guys. So I guess you're right. Snitsky and Heidenreich played ball with Vince McMahon, but. Yet they were so one-dimensional and boring that they didn't really uh, make an impact in WWE. So, TW, before we get into the, I guess, the two main event uh, matches, because they're going to try to merge them together. You know, the pro, you know, the promos backstage, of course, was Eric Bischoff, Theodore Arlong, and of course, you know, the the drawing of the numbers. And the, one of the most memorable drawings during that <laughs> night was Ric Flair and Latino He. Hey, girl. And, you know, when they were drawing their numbers, oh, man, I, I almost had a little tear in my eye seeing Eddie Guerrero there. And, you know, lying, and lying, yes, lying, cheating, and stealing Ric Flair's number 30. He hugged him. He pickpocketed him. You know, of course, stereotyping that all, you know, Mexicans and Hispanics, like, you know, pickpocket people, you know, that's, you know, I, I take sentiments to that Vince McMahon. But anyway, I laughed about it, TW. It was, a, it was a great spot, great memories. And again, in 2020, Deuce, I haven't, re- it's been hard to remember, like, in the last five years, something simplistic that you could do backstage with drawing the numbers. Vince McMahon kind of get doesn't do that anymore. It's, it's a time-honored tradition. It's so easy. It's great TV. It's a great five-minute segment for TV time purposes. He hardly does it anymore. Why not, TW? Why not? Because they don't have two managers to argue about it. And mm. I'll tell you what. I, I feel like I, I, I feel like we must have done this battle royal before because I remember that pickpocket and all that stuff. Like, it just happened. And, and I still – but I remember back then thinking it was surprising that Flair was able to get his number back. Like – that Flair didn't get stuck, you know, being number one. And mm-hmm. uh, well, it's just it, who, it was who was on? How would they? Who was on Rick? Who was on Rick Flair's side? Eric Bischoff, the heel general manager. So it made sense for him to fight for his raw guy to get his mm-hmm. number back. So and Theodore Long is the good guy, babyface general manager. You know, trying to do it the right way. So to answer your question, I think. Because the, ma- the, the the general managers was a heel and a babyface, respectively, you can get away with getting your number back. So go ahead, Tito. I'm sorry for interrupting. But I'm saying, how do you prove it? It's Ric Flair's word versus Eddie Guerrero's word. No one ever saw Ric with it. There's no proof he had it. So to me, it felt like, man, that was a nice little rib, and then they didn't do it. It would have been it would have it would have been funner if they he did it the year before, 
Mm-hmm. And then when he did it this year, they were like, no, we prepared for it. We got you on the camera pickpocketing them. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you know, like, them. oh, I get you. Like, Kofi Kingston does his theatrics outside the outside the Royal Rumble, and you expect right. it every year. Yeah. And every year, Eddie, when Eddie Guerrero, God rest his soul, was alive in the Royal Rumble, he would be stealing people's numbers and then finally right. gets caught. I get you right. where, where you're yeah. going with that. I get you. I get you. So the two main events here, TW, for in the Royal Rumble was the respective Raw and SmackDown main events. They were for their particular championships. The first one was the SmackDown, you know, heavyweight championship or the WWE heavyweight championship. We have JBL, Kurt Angle, and the Big Show. The Big Show is big and fat here. But anyway, you know, looking at JBL and having the run that he had, you know, a lot of people, TW, never understood, and maybe even me, because I I kind of looked at JBL being the champion. I was like, he didn't do anything for me, and I understood his position. I understood what he was trying to do, you know, get people to hate him. But he didn't get that kind of heat from the professor. He just got me to change the channel sometimes. And sometimes, yeah, I, I you know, I did. I was curious in a pay-per-view sense that maybe someone like Kurt Angle would beat him and, you know, right or wrong, and become the champion, or Big Show, get that title away from, you know, JBL or Eddie Guerrero. Right. Why did J- I guess, you know, again, playing politics is one thing, but JBL was a champion for uh, 10 months, TW. But anyway, in this match, JBL, with the help of his uh, his cabinet with Orlando Jordan, the Basham brothers, uh, persevere all the odds and defeats Kurt Angle and Big Show. And, and of course, you know, the, the the cabinet distract you know takes Big Show out of the picture and of course Kurt Angle and they sold it good because JBL and Kurt Angle actually fought three days prior in a no holds barred match and they were selling that it was hurt you know they, their bodies were hurting so it made sense for JBL to pin Kurt Angle there so strategically and storyline wise made all the sense in the world what say you about this particular match what caught your eye nothing it's garbage. <laughs> He another guy that the only thing more perplexing to me than him being around as long as he was is that AEW one is the big show. It's he's he's like I dare say he was better in WCW as the giant, and then he was ruined when he became NWO and he acted like Ric Flair with the slicked hair and leather jacket and all that. Okay, once he stopped being the giant, pure garbage. And Big Show is the dumbest name of all time. You didn't like the song? You don't like the, well, it's the big show. You don't like that? Yeah, I hate it. Just (laughs) Diesel number two. But he he just, he's probably a sweetheart of a human being. But no, even when he came back in shape, that motherfucker wasn't in shape. He was just less fat. He's still fat, but he's less fat. (laughs) It's just like, he does the punch, and it's just like, come on. Just make him. The Andre the Giant, he's he's still big enough to be that, no matter who he's in there with. But like Cena, God bless him, doing the fu to him and Edge at the same time. He's got both of them up and does the move. That yeah, doesn't that that kills Big Show's advantage, which is his size. It just kills it. And it's mm-hmm. like him and JBL and and well, Angle by that there. by that but TW by that time everybody slams Big Show you know Cena did the right. FU in WrestleMania 2004 well they should have stopped multiple people slam Big Show or do like oh Brock Lesnar he did he superplexed him 
Right. And and the ring crap. So I understand where you talk about the, that his size became more for show for the pop for the crowd than be becoming a, an advantage. So I get where you're going with this. And again, I guess you have a problem with Big Show. I have a problem with JBL as the champion. Oh, no, but JBL is is uh, from day one. My like, this is the Million Dollar Man and J.R. Ewing had a baby, and he's boring as shit. I didn't mm-hmm. like him because I already knew the stories about him and Farouk and Bradshaw just killing people. Lots of guys I knew they're just killing them. Like why? Mm-hmm. Like it, they're just not likable. And then you know uh, he bullied the Blue Meanie, and I guess they buried the hatchet. But th- there's no need for it. Like everybody's buddies in the back, man. Like when you when I go to a WCW show, my first second year in the business, I'm in a in a locker room with Macho Man and Sting and Buff Bagwell, and and it's me and Rhino before he's Rhino and and Angelo Papo, and then Hulk Hogan walks in to say, "Hey, I just want to see what the fuck you guys are doing over here." That's when you know everybody's on the same team, right? Mm, right. You know, Hogan had his own locker room. He didn't have to come over there, but he did, and. He had that renegade dude with him. Uh, Flair and Arn had their own locker room. Arn never came over there. You know what I mean? So, but, you know, you got Booker T introducing himself to me. It's just, it was a different day and age back then, right? Just, like, guys were nice in the 90s. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know who the assholes were in the 80s and 90s? The Nasty Boys. They were the ones beaten. And now it makes sense to me because I hear Nobbs is, or, yeah, Nobbs is is Hogan's buddy. So yeah, of course he knows he's not going to get in trouble. Then he goes to WCW and he's just look back at any WCW Saturday night. They're suplexing guys and purposely making their knees hit them in the head when they land. They just they don't take care of nobody and it's it's rude. Like and most mm-hmm. of these guys are doing this too on a Saturday night or I mean Saturday you know like a TV yeah, I get you. Mm-hmm. Bradshaw too. Most of these guys these are guys with day jobs, man. They're they're just trying to get their foot in the door and these dudes are killing them. Look, man, let them get signed before you start doing dupes, right? Because, like, this Royal Rumble, what they do to Daniel Pewter is absolutely shitty. Like, well, like Tranquilo, yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that. And, again, I, I guess I'm just I, not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the bullies. And and JBL is, is you know, notorious. He was a hate. He hates people. He hates people. He, he messed with – he fucked with The Miz. I get where you're going with it, but I guess there's a different And he culture. looked like a – he looked like – 10 pounds of shit stuffed in the five-pound bag. He had no yeah. look. He mm-hmm. wore his tights up to his belly button. Just, 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 he was just a big asshole. That's all he was. Like, there was nothing to him. And I just, I, him as champion, I think it was so somebody finally beat him, and it, it made the people love him for finally beating the guy everybody hate. But it's like you said, people didn't love to hate him. They just hated him. Right. So that, that people, was the problem. People, people love to hate the Sheik. They were mm-hmm. passionate about it. They were riled up and like, fuck this guy, this terrorist. And then Hogan comes out of nowhere and beats him. And it's like, of course whoever beat him is going to get catapulted up, you know. He hurt Bob Backlund. That's that's the All-American Opie. And then and he, he had the belt for a month. He was a transition mm-hmm. man. JBL having it for 10 months. And I think at the time was the longest reigning SmackDown Smackdown champ. Yeah, yeah, that's how they booked it. And then Cena took it, and then everybody was happy. And then that only right. lasted for a month until people got tired of Cena. But we ain't going to go right. there. Right, right. So, and the Raw main event was Triple H and Randy Orton. One-on-one, there was no interference with Evolution and all that stuff. So because Eric Bischoff wanted to one-up uh, Theodore R. Long because they were, you know, battling backstage on who had the better heavyweight champion. So Eric Bischoff wanted to make sure there was no chicanery here. And again, Triple H won this match. 
This was, I think that there was two problems here, TW. And again, this has nothing to do with 2005. I'm just going with 2020 deuce. Again, if we had podcasting, we had, uh, you know, social media, all this stuff. Randy Orton got the title so quickly. And the reason that he got it so quickly is because of the shit that happened with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was labeled as the youngest WWE champion of all time. They had to get that history. You know, Vince McGann, if somebody leaves you, he has to change history very, very quickly at the drop of a hat. So Randy Orton, he was younger than Brock Lesnar. So he had to be Benoit at SummerSlam 2004 so he could get that monkey off of his back of, you know, everybody that Randy Orton would be the youngest heavyweight champion. So was it 2004 Mania was uh, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. Austin? Yeah. Wow, that was way back then? Wow. Mm-hmm. But like I said, they had to get that, you know, that history out of the way so this way Randy Orton would be that. So the problem I, I would see is that we would be – Randy Orton got the title too quickly. He was – again, it's again the same thing like I said with Edge – he wasn't WrestleMania main event worthy. So I understood Triple H winning and retaining the title. But I think we would be analyzing Randy Orton. Or not that they're burying him, but I think he, I think we would be saying he just got so much so quickly. He just needs to, like, you know, I don't want to call mature. it. Ma- there you go. Good, good word, mature. He just wasn't ready for the main event. So what say you about this match or any uh, – career assessment about Randy Orton at this particular juncture. This is a perfect example of what I mean by, okay, JBL keeps the belt. So, you know, if a SmackDown guy wins it, it's going to be a baby face. That's Cena. Mm-hmm. Triple H wins the belt. So we 1000% know Batista's not winning the battle role because Cena can still do something to JBL to get a title match. Cause they're both baby face heel. Mm-hmm. Batista and Triple H being on the same team wouldn't have made sense for Triple H to say, fine, I'll give you a title match. It would have made no sense. Batista had to win it and then challenge Triple H to like, whoa, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, And Triple H had no choice. So this is what ruined the Royal Rumble in the regards that you knew one of those two guys were winning the belt. Who else? It was Like you said, it wasn't going to be Edge. Maybe Shawn Michaels. So you got Shawn versus Triple H. That's an outside shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but at the end of the day, this is the problem when you're already setting up storylines. You know, John Cena, when he came out with that damn spinner belt to grab his ball, which, by the way, things you cannot do in 2022, Stu's. Make an entire rap of insinuating someone's gay. Well, Christian. The uh, entire thing was calling him gay. Mm-hmm. You can't do that now. Why not? Within this, within this, the homophobe. Wait, well, you just said it. Now it's going to be out there. You started something. Watch. You started. Then you, you got to come after. Uh, what's his deck for Malcolm History X or whatever American History X? Edward Norton. Norton. Yeah, oh boy. It's just, but, it's just a role. It's just a role. You can't blame the guy for making his living. No, I understand what you're talking. I just think that if we're if we're overanalyzing, I just said. Orton wasn't ready. He just got it so quickly. But the match right. was decent. The only thing I would say is, like, you know, in 2005 WrestleMania, he would actually go, you know, bring back the Legend Killer, and then he would challenge the Undertaker, I think. Yeah, no. it was there. Yeah, well, no, because Survivor Series 05 is when Undertaker returned and started the feud with Randy Orton. That's when I wheeled his casket out and the lightning struggle. Oh, okay. And I think they fought at the WrestleMania well, no, they, 
No, no, it was Mark Henry. No, they fought in WrestleMania 05, okay. and then they continued the, the storyline for a long time, and then you was there for Survivor Series 05 with the cast and stuff. But uh, anyway, that's what, what we wanted to say. Orton was, was not ready. He needed mature. He needed to be mature, as TW would so wisely say in this match. Did you like the match? Was it a five-star match in TW's eyes? Nope. But anyway, let's get... I don't know that I've ever watched a Triple H match and thought it was oh, it's a great match, other than possibly Undertaker at Red Mania. Okay. <laughs> I, that, that, that's, I'm not even disagreeing. I just wanted to ask your opinion. But anyway, let's get into the There's main... a reason there's no Triple H figure in my HOW or HOF. No, there's a different there's a different room reflection. I he's lying to you. There's a, there's no, a I got him up on the wall. I got him up on the wall because it was a chase. But okay. I'm not married to him. If it ever became valuable, I would sell it. Okay, but anyway, let's get into the main event here, and that is the Royal Rumble match itself, where the you know it would be 15 SmackDown guys, 15 Raw guys, and the winner would challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship of their choosing, either a Raw or SmackDown champion at WrestleMania. And TW, you said something there with the, the planning, that there was there were certain things that, that couldn't have made sense. But there was one storyline that was that was actually trying to fester itself, if if you will. Because it's actually happening right now in AEW in 2020 Deuce. Batista a lot of people are noticing Batista's uh, contributions in evolution. It's himself, Triple H, and Ric Flair. Batista is the heater. Batista, Batista. is the <laughs> Batista is the muscle. And just like in twenty, <laughs> I'm trying to explain the reflection I see. Let me do my spiel here. And what Batista is trying to do is the same thing as Wardlow in AEW is doing for the Pinnacle. He's the heater. He's the muscle for MJF and Sean Spears, and, and FTR, and people are re- are resonating with Warlow, TW, and now they're seeing the untapped potential in Warlow, just like people in 2005 saw the untapped potential and the main event potential in Batista. So in this Royal Rumble, Ric Flair and Triple H concoct a plan that himself, Ric Flair, since he knew he was number 30 and Batista was not that far behind, would work together to get everybody out of the way so this way the winner would be evolution and they would and the winner which would be Batista would challenge the SmackDown champion so this way evolution would rule and of course we'll talk about it a little bit later but I, I just wanted to fester the storyline for you to make you understand where they were going. But but TW it is kind of deja vu. We always keep saying wrestling is cyclical with storylines and the way people are booked. Batista, I know you're going to laugh with the name, but I don't know why, but Batista and Wardlow, are, but Batista and Wardlow are actually doing the same thing right now. And we're on, it's 17 years apart and the groups might, you know, the faction might be a little bit bigger than evolution, but it's the same fucking storyline. What say you TW about that? Wrestling is cyclical. Diesel did it first. Well, again, Psycho Sid did it second. There you go. Although is is basically yeah, and 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 like the whole logic is you put Batista in the group because you're holding call him. Dave. Call him Dave. Call call him Dave. I almost told you to call him Dave. So Batista, as long as he's with us, he's not against this kind of thing. It's the same logic 
that we talked about with Luger becoming a four horseman. Let's have mm-hmm. him with us so he's not against us. Let's make him happy with the U.S. title. And they didn't do that with Batista. They just made him, hey, just be happy and like it. Mm-hmm. And then when Randy wins the belt and then Triple H gives him the this, they turn on him. Shouldn't Batista know that's his fate too if he ever wins it? He's loyal. He was a loyal man. That's what the storyline was. And, and Warlow is doing the same thing. He's trying to be loyal to the pinnacle. But again, yeah. just like you said, you, you said Diesel. You said Lex Luger. It is so cyclical. It just works. You know, people, Rogers. people always say things are original. You know, AEW, Tony Khan is the most original booker out there. No, Tony Khan just loves wrestling, and he's watched a lot of fucking wrestling. That's you what I want to tell y'all. about that? What is ironic? All the guy on the show that has no governor of fucking things that people do, a show that has two cages and two pages. You got two different guys. You got Ethan Page and Hangman Page. You got Christian Cage and that other Cage, Brian Cage. That We talked about it. Steven Regal had to become William Regal, so there weren't two Steves because of Steve Austin, right? Plus okay. it was Steve Blackman and whoever else. So – Things that we don't understand why Vince does, and then you realize it when someone else doesn't do it, and you're like, when they mm-hmm. say Page, who are they talking about? So now they have to say Hangman Page. They can't just say Page. Well, could mm-hmm. be DDP. So right. so anyhow, these these guys do this stuff. But to say he's the most original guy on a show, where literally four out of four matches will literally look like the exact same match by the end of the night because they all do the same damn spots. It happens. It happens. It happens, that's, CW. That's but. why you have agents. That's why you have guys say, all right, well, you, I did an indie show. There are no damn agents. But we went up to people and said, hey, man, what are you doing as the finish? All right, you're doing that? Well, we were going to. Since you're first, you do it. We're going to do something different. You, you or, police each other. You, you make sure right. that we try, you try to be original. So I get you. It's original. It's not four of the same damn matches. It's just, you know, super kicks fast. I, Again, modern wrestling and modern wrestling fans just don't understand what happened back, you know, in the past. It's there's a past for a reason. There's nostalgia for a reason. That's why people gravitate towards nostalgia. But anyway, TW, the first two combatants that entered this Royal Rumble, number one and number two respectively, were the two guys that were celebrating their championship wins at WrestleMania 2004 Madison Square Garden, and that is Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. So, of course, there's history with these two, you know, the Radicals and and the WCW connection, the ECW connection. You know, of course, they're going to, you know, tear it down for two minutes. That that two and Japan Japan connection and all that stuff. But, TW, you talked about it. Number three was Tough Enough Winner. And UFC star, well, I don't know if he was a UFC star, but I know he was an MMA star in the making, Daniel Pewter. He won the $1 million Tough Enough Challenge, the biggest payday that a Tough Enough winner got. So that's already heat number one with the boys in WWE. That was legit? That was legit. He got a million dollars. What? Yeah. That's heat number one. No wonder they kicked his ass. Heat number two was during was during SmackDown, he actually took down Kurt Angle and embarrassed him doing a, you know, going hole for hole in a shoot wrestling angle. So for the next four minutes, it was Benoit, it was Guerrero, and then Hardcore Holly. You you talk about politics playing politics. This motherfucker, I always said that Hardcore Holly was going to last for six months. Motherfucker lasted for like 15 years. But anyway, neither here nor there. (laughs) 
But you got three dudes chopping the shit out of Daniel Pewter and, and T.W. I don't care how much people are, tra- you know, you train yourself to fall. Or I, I forget that saying, like, you know how to fall or you know how right. to take a bump or whatever. Right, right. Taking those chops from three dudes that know how to chop. Must it's the realest like move in wrestling. It's the move nobody wants to take and everybody wants to give. It's the move that I was grateful that I wrestled in a shirt, but it still hurt because mm-hmm. picture it feeling like a punch and a slap. So when right. I had a shirt on, it just felt like a punch because their entire forearm is caving your chest in and mm-hmm. it's stinging from the back of their hand. Cause that's the thing. Guys aren't just doing their hand, like grazing their hand. They're, They're doing the palm. Right. Well, no, the worst of which was Brian Pillman, who came down from the top, and then Big Show started doing it to people's backs. But Big mm-hmm. Show didn't kill him. Brian Pillman killed people with his chops. And that's what I mean. Like, it's still, you hear that, Ugh, that's the cave in your chest in, and then also it stings like a bitch because it's the smack of the hand to the, the other skin. So, so not a fan. They, that yeah. was some due pain or some policing going on right there. And Daniel Pewter, you know what? He took it. He took it like a champ. I guess, you know, I got to re- you got to respect a guy like that for saying, "You know what? I fucked up." CW. I mean, the 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 mentality again. I I said he he drew heat from the guys in WWE for two reasons. The million dollars he won and of Three course reasons. what he did was the third reason. He had no respect. He'd come out there just like like if you read any of Chris Jericho's books, he he would tell mm-hmm. you that when you buried a guy, especially a heel, Right. You buried them in your promo and called them old or called them, you know, washed up. Mm-hmm. You would get lectured and go, "Hey, man, you're you're doing nothing for us. When you call me old, now if you lose, you're gonna look like an asshole. And if I lose, it's gonna like you beat up an old man." He goes, "Don't don't diminish your opponent. Elevate right. him so that the win means something." He's like, "You keep burying people, then what does your win mean? And then you better not lose." And Jericho's no. like, okay, "Okay, okay," and he stopped doing it. So mm-hmm. you can be smarky and you make fun of someone's appearance, but you can't act like they're over the hill, washed up. And Pewter would come out and talk about how he was going to do first person to ever do this, first person to ever do that, which is, mm-hmm. God bless him, he came out with confidence or whatever. But it's like when I had my match with Manny Legacy, when when Mike Legacy held up a chair to him, we have no idea he's mad at us. But he's mad because Mike Legacy says, Manny, you still have your own real teeth. How old are you? So that's why he's mad. We just made him sound like he's 100 years old, and then he fucking pins me. So now how do we look? I got, right. I just oh, got okay. by the 100-year-old guy. All right. Well, one of the highlights here, TW, in the Royal Rumble, another thing brought a tear to my eye. One of my tear to my to eye. My, yes, but it was a real tear because actually I was crying when I saw this. My One of my favorite wrestlers in 2005 was... <laughs> Muhammad Hassan, you can't do this in 2020, Deuce no. TW. The character was so perfect, you know. And, and again, and he's he, Italian, and he's Italian. He, but he played it beautifully. He played it beautifully with Davari and all that stuff. The chemistry was so beautiful. And you know, Pewter took his comeuppance by those three. Raw and SmackDown merged on this dude. They, they all agreed. It was not a brand war. Once Muhammad Hassan came in, they all eliminated Muhammad Hassan. I just, you know, if any, if you knew me back then in 2005, you would have been embarrassed with me because I clapped for Muhammad Hassan in Madison Square Garden. I clapped for him. You know, I cheered for Muhammad Hassan. 
I'm the only motherfucker that probably who looks just like him. Yes. I bought Muhammad Hassan t-shirts. I was wow. I was riding with Muhammad Hassan. People looked at me like, I don't know this motherfucker. You know, <laughs> you are a terrorist sympathizer. I don't like I don't care what you want to call me. I just gravitated towards Muhammad Hassan TW. I just loved I love what he got. He had a, a good look, man. He had a good look. He had talent. And uh, did what, he quit because he was wait. getting death threats and shit? No, he well, he might have gotten death threats, but he he kind of quit the business because the, of the angle that he did with the Undertaker. That they actually did like a terrorist scene. That they, you know, the guys in hooded mask. It yeah, looked like he was good. Yeah, it was kind of like doing that. So you know, Vince McMahon pushed the envelope as much as he could, but he's an he's a openly public traded company. You can't do that. And funny enough, TW, I just want to bring this here. I don't know if Mustafa Ali, who just has asked for his release a couple of days ago while we're recording this TW, he was kind of like parlaying a gimmick, not like Muhammad Hassan, but, you know, being that Muslim in America that, you know, he's trying to fight all the prejudices against, you know, the United States. And he was trying to bring that kind of element back. Maybe there was a, a rip between himself and Vince McMahon where Vince McMahon said, I can't do that because, you know, the sponsors would kill us. You know, they would cancel us, TW. What Muhammad Hassan did in 2005, I'm, I'm shocked that he got away with it as long as he did. But I'm not saying I, I agree with Vince McMahon, but I understand why Vince McMahon might not be able to ride with Mustafa Ali in 2020 dues. What say you? And then we'll go on to another spot in the Royal Rumble. I'm going to tell you this right now. Mustafa Ali wouldn't have made it a second in the business in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or even the early 2000s. He's entitled. He's oh. a mark for himself. Um, wow. If, if I, anything, I'm, not even, I'm not even trying to – that's, that's I, a bold statement. I'm not statement, talking about what he wants to do. I'm talking about what I've seen from him since okay. that retribution thing. This dude, if it goes wrong, it's not his fault. If it okay. goes right, it's to his credit. And he's just he's that's that's narcissistic for one, but it's it's it rubs people the wrong way. Like you either come together as a team or you sink together as a team. And this mm-hmm. dude is a bus tosser. And he's done it on social media. He's done it and now it's just tacky how he says, I I wanna do something. Unfortunately I can't do it here, so I wanna ask for my release. That's not professional. Go to them and talk to them and let them quietly release you. Because now what he's trying to do is force their hand. Now that motherfucker's going to sit at home and do nothing. Because they he basically slapped them in the face and then said, oh, by the way, I want to release. So you said it yourself. He wants to do something controversial. You know what? There's enough people every day on regular TV calling America racist. Why do you need another one? Why do you mm-hmm. need another one that potentially turns people off? where they don't even want to watch it because they're sick of hearing it everywhere else. Like sometimes you got to fucking judge the, the parameter of how much people are willing to watch. I do have a question for you about the, the Mark, um, Hassad, I think it's Mark, whatever Muhammad. his name is. No, no, his name was Mark Sini or whatever his real name is. Okay. When he got in the ring, he looked like a million bucks. He sold it right, except for he looked at a part that was nobody at and it had turned back around. I, mm-hmm. I wonder and I would assume they had to have. But two guys that gave him the dirtiest looks were Booker T and Sheldon Benjamin. 
And today? Mark Julian Capani. That's his real name. Capani. Mark Capani. Shelton Benjamin and Booker T gave him the dirtiest looks like they wanted to kick his ass the most. In 2022, they would be portrayed as the two guys who sympathize with him because they know what it's like to be discriminated against because of the fucking wokeness. They People don't even give a fuck about the dude, what he was doing, trying to cut people's heads off and mimicking the shit that's terrible in the world. They would mm-hmm. just think, the two black guys wouldn't join in on that. That, that. No, no, they've been through two months to do it. So do you think they purposely had as many black guys in there with the white guys to do that so it didn't just look like white dudes beating up the Arabic guy? You know what? I, I you think... probably gave it no thought. No, I didn't. I didn't see color. I just saw it from the wrestling standpoint. Maybe he was paying his dues, and they hazed him, and then they just. No, the logic was America versus someone that doesn't like America. That's what it was. That too. If you you go back and watch it, the two dirtiest looks are Booker T and Sheldon. And I'm reading Booker T's face, and I'm thinking to myself, is he is he cool with this, or is he just doing it because he's gotta? You know what I mean? Like it's almost like. But again, you just watching it. You would think he wouldn't want to do it, but Jim Ross and Taz. Jim Ross and Taz was like, "Well, well, Taz was like, well, glad he's on your show. We didn't need him." And then, funny right. enough, he went to SmackDown to fight the Undertaker. So it was kind of funny after right. the the Raw draft, but right, like it's it's almost pushing the envelope. It's almost it's almost sending a message that after the show, if you see a guy that looks like this guy in the subway, we should all band together as black, white, Mexicans and beat the shit out of the guy in the subway. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's dangerous. Fight the terrorist. Yeah, fight it's the terrorist. Dangerous. And it's like it's pushing I, I the envelope. Just, I'm I'm watching it going, they absolutely made sure it wasn't just white dudes. It was Canadians, it was Americans, it was black dudes, it was white dudes. I think Ray Mysterio's in there, so you had Mexicans. It, it was, it was he had a the French one night. It was it was a French dude. Rene Dupree was in there yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. So it was the world against terrorism. I get what they were doing. But it mm-hmm. was still a bunch of dudes beating up a dude. So but the, the, I, the clear no message was twenty twenty two. Don't don't trust a Muslim. Everybody right. had to unite right. against right. the Muslim. That, right. that I guess that was the message. To be fair, to be, to be fair, fair, it was a Muslim who was putting down America. It wasn't okay. just like he happened to be a Muslim. He was someone who was antagonizing people, and people had mm-hmm. enough. Was the logic. But no way right. how they do it in 2022. The only guy that's getting beat up by 19 guys in 2022 is a Wardlaw, mm-hmm. is a Bobby Lashley, is a Brock Lesnar, is a Big Show if he's in a battle royal, so that they can get the biggest guy out of there. Omos, uh, that other fucking dude that's with Apollo. Yeah. Um, they well, just the big did guy, it to them. Well, well, the big guys that were in this Royal Rumble was like Luther Reigns. Uh, Kane was in it. Viscera was in it. So, you know, Snitsky was in it. But anyway, T.W., let's get to the meat and the crust of it. Of course, you know, number uh, 25 and 28, respectively, was John Cena and Batista. That that was their numbers. And, of course, when you're 25 and up, nine times out of ten, you are winning the goddamn Battle Royal because that that record is more, you know, the one who draws number one, they win, win about 8% of the time. But the ones who win 25 and up, they win about 80% of the time. It's actual fact. But anyway. 30 and 29, I think, are the most. The, 30 is the one that wins the least. When you're oh, 30, really? you don't Yeah, you, you don't win a lot. Cena came out 30 and he won it. I said the least. I didn't say I that, not at all. But anyway, neither here nor there. But anyway, we're going to talk about this botch that actually made the Royal Rumble work. It was uh, the the head writer at this time, his name was Brian Gwertz. 
He said the plan was for Batista to throw out Cena with his buckle bomb. The problem was Batista lost his footing, and for some reason he flipped over with he lost his footing, and then Cena flipped over. He was trying to catch his balance. But funny enough, when you look at it, TW, Deuce was the most beautiful botch because they both landed on the floor at the same, same time. time. There's no uh, discrepancies like Luger and Brett. There's no discrepancies like Orndorff and Hogan if they were trying to edit it for television. They landed on live TV at the same time. And you know why it was a botch? Because the, the referee... That wasn't the SmackDown referee. You know, the SmackDown referees were wearing the blue shirts. The Raw referee told the SmackDown referee, and you can hear it on the broadcast, raise Cena's hand. Raise right, Cena's because hand. Because that, that referee on SmackDown, um, he's, he's famous. I follow him on Twitter. He's not a referee anymore. He critiques wrestling online. Mm-hmm. I tweeted him one time. He was on an episode of one of those ID Go like, murder shows. He uh-huh. was one of the murderers on the show. So I, oh, really? I, can't, cool. I can't remember his name. But anyways, um, he was like the head referee. He kept saying, Cena hit first, Cena hit first. And all of a yeah. sudden they get in the ring, and he's the guy that raises Cena's hand. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, every single person kept saying Cena hit first. And it was almost like somebody said, no, 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 this shit's a tie. No. It, and Well, before we even get into the – what happens after? What did you think? I thought it was a tie. There was no both feet hit the floor at the same time. It was spot on exact same time. Yeah. Bumps. They both landed on a bump. Yeah. So I, I looked at it as the ultimate tie that there was no discrepancies to me. But once but I saw the wrong. Here's where they went wrong, right? Well, wait, 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 wait. Kinda... wait, wait, wait. Hold your thought. Let me just end this here. Now they're trying to fix this quandary here, and who comes out but the chairman, Vince McMahon. He runs down and pulls an audible. It wasn't Bischoff. It wasn't Theodore Long, which could have made sense too, but then they would have added more kind of theatrics. Vince wanted to make it clear as day. But the problem was when Vince McMahon rolled under the ring, he tore his quads, both his quads. Right. So he was forced to sit down in pain. He's working in pain. And Didn't now they, they shit his pants too. I don't remember that story. I That's just why remember. he wouldn't get up. Well, he couldn't get up, but he, he sat could, there because he shit his pants when he tore his. I, 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 that might be another story, but well, I didn't look at his pants to see any brown stains. But anyway, neither here nor there. But Vince McMahon said they had to restart this match, and of course, Batista throws Cena out the Batista. ring. And Batista. God damn it, you just love this thing. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Dave becomes the winner of the 2005 Royal Rumble. So, TW, finish your thought. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt. So here's here's where they mess up, right? Okay. Because Cena ends up losing, he should have threw Batista out first and had the crowd cheer. And the Batista get in and throw him out, have him boo, because then it looks like Cena won by throwing him out. And mm-hmm. then they restarted it, and then Cena got tossed out. But it would have looked like when they got back in the ring, Cena threw him out. So instead, it looks like Cena lost three fucking times. When they you, know why, you know why it didn't work? You know why it wouldn't work the way you're saying it? The crowd. The crowd was actually for Batista. They're for both. Right. Again, I'm trying to explain to the reflection. Right. So I it wouldn't that work if Cena threw him first, and then he got in and threw Cena out the exact same way they but, did it. But, but I, I think. But again, the plan was to break up evolution. It was Batista's turn, so it wouldn't have worked. I understand where you're going with this, but I'm not the crowd win it. 
But what are you saying? Because he lost it. He mm-hmm. should have threw. Remember how they threw each other out once before they restarted yeah, the they, match? Right. They the did that. Mm-hmm. Batista just grabbed him and threw him over. And then Cena rolled back in the ring, grabbed him and threw him and then did this to the crowd. And the crowd went ape shit. If mm-hmm. they would have done the opposite, like Cena's like, hey, let me throw you out. But Batista probably was just trying to do it to say, all right, I won now because they didn't know what to do. And then they restarted the match. So, I mean, it's all hindsight. But yeah. Cena looks like he lost three times now. It looks mm-hmm. like he got thrown out, but they both landed at the same time. Then it looks like he got thrown out when they were mad. And then he actually just gets fucking handled and thrown out like garbage. And and, and, ba- and, and Batista looks at him saying, oh, shit, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw you out that hard anyway. Because right. Cena was actually kind of hurt after that. Also, before we close out Reflectionites, there was a spot. Kurt Angle, and of course we talk about you know building a program towards WrestleMania. Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels in this Royal Rumble work, you know, work with each other. You know, they butted heads within this Royal Rumble match, TW, and of course it was the precursor before their, you know, one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. Because you know, I say Steamboat Savage is number one, number two, or three is Kurt Angle. And Shawn Michaels from their WrestleMania in 2005, but during that uh, during that Raw Rumble, Kurt Angle was. If you didn't notice, Kurt Angle was outside. He looked really fucked up, and I saw there was a spot he was doing this. I was like, "Oh shit, he got a stinger." I think he kind of fucked up. You know, he always had the, these neck problems, TW. But did you notice that his hand? He was doing this, trying to get feeling back in his hand. I think didn't he was. I think he pulled the stinger because he was laying out there and the referee was kind of like looking like this. Are you good? You good? You need time? I think Shawn Michaels was expecting the spot where Kurt Angle was going to throw him out maybe about two minutes earlier than what was happening. And and Shawn Michaels was just going with the motions of being in the rumble and just doing what he was doing. And then when Kurt Angle got his feeling back or got his win back, I again, a lot of people don't understand that Kurt Angle really – you know, was so brittled in, in he was working under pain, TW. Right. I don't think people, yeah. and, and I, I don't want to say that as, as a fan, I don't, I don't want to be that leech and, and I don't want to suck the blood out of Kurt Angle, but I'm trying to show my appreciation for Kurt Angle working hurt in so many conditions, working with a broken freaking neck, working with a bad back or whatever the case may be. This motherfucker gave his life to wrestling, whether it was WWE, Impact Wrestling, Japan, when you had Kurt Angle on the marquee, Kurt Angle gave 100%. What's AETW and then we'll close it 110%. Yes. So I'm still mad at Impact for signing him when the WWE let him go so he'd go get help. And then they just let him. He's I, I, broken. I, 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 I think it saved his life, in my opinion. What did Impact signing him? Yeah. He's Because he's the, still doing. When I met that man, he was drinking beers two at a time. A sip and a half to two sips at a time, and it would get and whatever but, they handed him. But I say this: the grind of Impact was way less than the grind oh, in WWE. Yeah. So that's why I they saved his life. Go, so he would go get help, and instead of getting help, he went and wrestled. No, I get I get what you're saying in the morality and the ethics of it, but they didn't let him go, I, so he'd go to Impact. Same thing with no, Jeff they, Hardy. No, it's the same thing. But I think Impact did save his life in in, in a strange way. But anyway, TW, we close. This episodic episode of the Royal Rumble 2005 TW. Last week, we had a quandary of you trying to find all this social media stuff. 
if you can't find it, I understand I it. it. So thank I God, it. give out the, the social media so we can get out of here. Well, I'm confused. Are we still on the PW Coalition? Yes, of course. Okay, because I heard we're going back to Hameen Media, so I, I don't know what we're leaving. I don't know what. Are we no, just we're, we're, on everything? We're, we're everything. We're everything uh, and everything sometimes. So the Pro Wrestling Coalition Network is PWC Network at podbean.com. We're the at PW Reflection. Uh, Obi-Wan, or not Obi-Wan, damn it. I always, I always try to read it right. The P1JB. JB tried to be here tonight, and he got held up. Uh, it was a hostage situation, uh, but he survived. He survived it. Uh, but mm-hmm. he's at the P1JB. Uh, Big Ray, we can't do it without him. At Big Ray Hernandez, I am at Tommy Wonder 19. My Snapchat is Number Wonder. My Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. The the Twitter that I entertain wrestling thoughts is at the Tommy Wonder. And of course, the Dumb Dumb Duel and an Idiot on YouTube. And then we have the Big Veto Brand and Patreon.com backslash the Big Veto Brand. Uh, and, and what are you doing on your Dumb Dumb Duels? Any eating? We got to do gonna... something soon, man. It's been too long. People are asking us, "When's your next video?" We're gonna start losing followers. Uh, you, you can't, you can't disappoint they did the fans. One me. They did a video without me, so now we just gotta figure one out. But I'm gonna be in Miami next week, so maybe we gotta do one soon. All right, and you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPRF. That's PWSOPROF. And, of course, my brothers in arms, 8-Track Brown, the king of the reactions at 8-Track. That's it. And, of course, the man with the documents, Mr. Infinite Bridge himself, Billy Ray Valentine at OB1, you know me. And, you know what, I'll keep you on your toes. You know, TW's going to be in Miami. Maybe I'll get JB to, to sub in. Who knows? Or we'll take a week off. Or maybe you'll get a retrospective with the professor or maybe a professor's perspective who knows i might keep you on your toes reflectionist i might keep you on your toes and with that being said i'm the professor that's mr wonderful tw tommy wonder saying good night and we'll see you next time here at the pwsl networks at bobbeam.com peace bautista you just love that name (laughs) it's bautista and you kept going to bautista Bautista. it is bautista like you're kamala